All right, so traditional service. You guys have survived so far. We're doing fine. We're doing great. Um, if you saw in your, it's not really bulletin, but your little handout this morning, you saw that it, we're trying to follow the um, liturgical calendar, and so this is Jesus the King Sunday, and so we've tried to stay with that theme. And my message, if you saw it, is, is called Living under the authority of Jesus, which when you saw that, you were like, yes, we came on Authority Sunday. Awesome. We get to learn about authority and doing what Jesus says. It's going to be so great. You were so excited for it. I know you were. Because um, authority is such a fun topic. We love talking about authority. We love being under authority, right? We love when people tell us what to do. You never hear anyone say that. You never say anyone that they love authority or that they be, love being told what to do. But I think that authority is one of those words that gets a bad rap, um, because here's what happened, is authority has become an ugly word in our world. It's a word that the world has twisted into something that is now more or less thought of in a negative light. We never really have good connotations, have good feelings when we think of the word authority. And it's like the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 5.20, he said, the world calls what is good evil and what is evil good. So we have taken this good thing that God created and intended for our benefit, and we've twisted it, and we've made it into this thing that we kind of hate. And somebody told my kids that authority is a bad thing, because they really, really hate it. They really hate authority. Um, oh, turn it on. Maggie and Jet. Jet is one, Maggie is four, and when I see Jet doing something wrong from across the room, I hit him with the middle name real quick, Jet Allen. And he always scrunches up his shoulders and he finishes like eating whatever he's not supposed to be eating. Um, these kids, they hate authority. So I, like I said, we're raising Maggie and Jet. And it's really interesting to see how instinctively our kids and how naturally our kids just reject authority, right? I know that yours aren't like that probably. Yours are good. But, but ours are like that. They reject authority at every turn. They think that whenever we're telling them something that it's just it's never a good thing. It doesn't matter if it's good advice or not. They constantly push back on it. Like, for instance, despite our warnings, Jet consistently brushes his teeth in the toilet. He just does. And I, I wish I could tell you it happened like once or twice. No. Like, it's a routine. He loves it. He loves it. Um, Maggie, is Mag still in here? She is. Maggie would sell all of us into slavery if it meant an hour of Netflix. I mean, she loves... Netflix, and if you have the misfortune of telling her that you got to turn off Netflix, you don't like that, do you, Mags? No, she hates it. She will kick and scream. She is so mad when she has to give up her Netflix. Now, little do these kids know that dipping your toothbrush in the toilet results in hepatitis, <laughs> and too much TV slows your brain development. They don't, they don't know that. They don't get that. Um, and my wife and I, I mean, you know, we're not using our authority to bully our kids. It's just that we see the whole picture. We see what is really good. And we were using our authority so that they can flourish, right? So that they don't get hepatitis because no one wants that for their kid. God is depicted many times in the Bible as a father to us. He's this parent who longs to see his children live under his authority in order that we too might flourish and that we might live the way that we were created to live. God invites us to humble ourselves and to live under his Authority. And a couple weeks ago in youth group, we were talking about 1 Peter 5, 5 through 7, in which God instructs his people to submit ourselves under his mighty hands so that at the right time, he can exalt us, right? 
He is a good father who sees the whole picture, and he asks for our trust and our submission, not for a moment, right, but for a lifetime, so that he can exalt us at the right time. And this is the message of Jesus in the Gospels as well. The call of Jesus is not to come and say a one-time prayer and then live your life the way that you want to live it. It's to die to yourself every day and to follow him with everything that you have. In Psalm 86.11, God says he wants us to follow him with an undivided heart. In 2 Chronicles 16.9, God says that his eyes search the earth to strengthen those who are fully committed to him, right? Undivided, fully committed. That's what they're interested in. To follow Jesus isn't simply to acknowledge him as a savior. It's to humble yourself under his authority as king. In Matthew 7.21, he tells us that not everybody who calls him Lord will enter heaven, but rather those who actually do the will of the Father, right? And this is something that I really misunderstood as a young believer. I felt really torn because like on the one hand, okay, yes, Jesus has saved me and I'm done with shame and guilt and I get to go to heaven forever and live eternally with him and this sounds awesome. But then I viewed it as like this give and take where like, okay, I get this, but... I have to follow your rules, right, your book, but my whole life, and I have to live the right way. And if I endure your authority long enough, then I get to experience heaven, right? I viewed it as kind of like this trade-off. And guys, if that's how you view authority today, if that's how you view this whole faith thing, I have some advice for you. Keep following Jesus. Because the longer you follow him, the more you realize the gift that living under his authority really is, right? We all kind of start with that view, but the more you follow, the more you see his goodness, and the more you see that living under his reign and rule really is a gift, and it really is good for us. Submitting my life to Jesus has been the best decision that I've ever made. I live with hope that transcends anything in this world, right? My joy is not at all dependent on what happens to me on this earth. My heart and my affections are secure in the one that I know will never betray me. In my life, it has a direction and a purpose. And I wake up every day excited to serve God and to do something new for him, right? I mean, not Mondays. I'm not like that sanctified yet. Like Mondays, I still drag my feet a little, but maybe one day. But you see what I'm saying? There's just nothing like it. It's the best thing I've ever done. And seriously, guys, when I put my cards on the table for Jesus... And I decided to lay it all out there and say, Jesus, this is all yours. I want to live your way. That was the most freeing and the most life-giving thing I've ever done. I mean, I still remember that moment. And I just feel free. And if you're on the outside looking in right now, and you're hearing this but it's not really registering, and you haven't experienced Jesus in that way yet in your life, you might be asking, how can that possibly be? How can putting yourself under someone else's authority be fulfilling. How could that possibly be? How much is Garen paying this guy to say this? Because this just sounds off. This can't be what is really true. Well, today I want to look at the authority of Jesus, and I want to tell you why it is a good thing, and why his authority as king in our lives, it's not something that is abusive or restricting or domineering. It's not. I used to think that, 
but it's really not. It's actually a really, really beautiful thing if we understand it the right way. And so that's what I want to jump into today. So let me, let me pray one more time. I need to pray just for God to open our eyes to this, and then we'll really jump in. God, um, you are so good, and you are our king, but you do not use that authority for evil. Um, I pray if there are any strongholds in this place right now that you would use your authority to break those. God, if there are any, um, any that are spiritually blind that have not been able to understand before now, God, that you would tear away those blind eyes, God, that you would give new sight to, to ones who you want to call today. God, we love you. We know that your authority, your rule and reign are good, and just help us to understand that today. In your son's name, amen. Okay, so I'm afraid that many of us only see in part how uh, beautiful Jesus really is, and really we don't understand who he fully is, because we hail Jesus as Savior on the cross, right? We get that. That's easy. But we fail to submit to him as the king on the throne, and it's always really, really dangerous when we don't see the whole picture, right? When we see something in part, that's a really dangerous place to be. Like if you're a quarterback and you're scanning the field and you only see part of the field, you could be missing a defender who is gonna jump in and intercept your pass, right? That's really dangerous. Or if you are playing chess and you only see part of the board, you could be missing something really key and you might miss the fact that your opponent is gonna do this next move that, that puts you in checkmate, right? So seeing the whole picture is so, so important. Let's demonstrate this in real time together, okay? Can we like do a little experiment together where we learn this? Um, I'm going to tell you a little story. And my wife told me not to use this demonstration, but we're going to do it anyway. Um, Because I have the mic. So the other day, I went into the store and I bought something. I bought an item that had three words on it. It had these three words on it. And I walked out of the store with an item with these three words. Adults only, triple X, devil. And at this moment, you're all thinking... I knew this guy was bad news. I knew it. I called it. Didn't I call it a long time ago? You can't trust a Dodger fan. You can't do it. They're, they're evil. And if you are thinking, man, Jordan, he really messed up at this point. If you're thinking that, that's, I mean, that's fine because you have some information and that's where the evidence is pointing us right now, right? But if I show you more of the picture and we start to see the whole picture, you will see that this is what I bought. You see those three words there. And if I show you even more of the picture, you'll see that it's actually barbecue sauce, right? And it might be devil-themed, and I might not, you know, I should probably maybe not eat it because it says devil on it, but it's so delicious. (laughs) Devil spit. It's the best barbecue sauce. And so now that you understand all the information, you see the whole picture, you realize clearly what happened here, right? Um, I know that sounded really shady, but it ended up okay, I hope. Now... If seeing everyday situations only in part is a dangerous thing, right? How much more dangerous is it that we only see the deity of Jesus partially, right? How dangerous is it if we don't fully understand who he is or the role that he is to play in our lives? Because while Jesus is Savior, and we've got that down And he offers each of us forgiveness and restoration, and he does. He is also a king who reigns over his creation. And much like our understanding of who Jesus is must be full and complete, our understanding of his authority must also be whole and complete. Because if we have a correct view of his authority, we will not view it as this abusive thing or as this obligation that we have to fulfill or this list of rules. We will actually see it as a privilege. We will actually see it 
as a gift. And we will realize that it actually syncs up perfectly with who we were created to be and it gives us purpose in life that completes us as humans. And there's no story that demonstrates this better than Jesus calling the disciple Matthew and Matthew 9. So if you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew 9 because we're going to jump in on this really quickly. Um, we're actually going to kind of be jumping around there for a little bit, but we're going to go to Matthew 9, verse 9. Now, anytime you read the Bible, it is so important to understand context, right, which is what is happening. Hey, you went rogue on me, uh, which is what is happening here, okay? We, we have to understand the context of this story. We can't just look at one verse and assume we know what's going on. We have to really zoom out. Context is so important in the story of Jesus calling Matthew. So let's zoom in for one second, okay? Let's zoom in to Matthew 9, and let's read Matthew 9 here. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up, and he followed him. And now I'm reading this verse, and I just zoom in on this one, and I'm like, wow. Um, Matthew just gave up everything he had. He just followed this guy at the drop of a hat. Like, how could he possibly do that? He was a tax collector. He had money. It baffled me that he gave it all up just to follow this guy, like, at the drop of a hat, just randomly. And that always confused me until I realized that the, the decision that Matthew made to follow Jesus, he made that decision in light of what happened in the text leading up to this verse. Like, you can't possibly understand this without first reading what happened before this, and then we get a real understanding of who Matthew is and what he is committing to here. So let's zoom out, okay? We're going to zoom out, and we're going to take a look at what is happening one chapter earlier, okay? And Matthew 8, so let's back up to Matthew 8. Jesus is displaying his authority over all things. He is healing the sick. He is curing leprosy, which is something you definitely kept your distance from in his day. Um, he is commanding demons out of people, and they are listening to him. And it all culminates with him demonstrating his authority over weather, over nature, over the wind and the waves. Because he is on this boat with his disciples, and he commands this storm to stop, and it does. So let's zoom in, and let's read this, because this story is so powerful, and it so demonstrates Jesus' authority. So we're going to start in verse 23, Matthew 8. We're going to go 23 to 27. Then he got out of the boat with his disciples... Oh, then he got out of the boat and his disciples followed him. I think I have it here. Uh, suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. Uh, he replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And I'm sure that the weight and the magnificence of this story are completely lost on me because there's no way you can just read this story and understand fully the situation. But for those who lived it, it must have been the most amazing experience they had ever lived through in their entire lives. And I'm sure the accounts of this story were told with with passion and intensity, right? Can you just imagine the disciples getting off the boat and telling this story to somebody? It'd be incredible to hear that firsthand. Even the disciples in the boat, they couldn't believe it. They said, who is this guy that even the wind and the waves obey him? So that's chapter 8. In chapter 9, we see the disciples and Jesus get to shore, right? And Jesus begins 
displaying his authority again. He heals a man who has been paralyzed his whole life. He goes over to him and he commands him to walk and he does. And right after he does that is the story of him approaching Matthew. He heals this paralytic. He walks over to Matthew and he commands him to follow him. Now, now we're all caught up and we kind of understand where Matthew's coming from. So if you're Matthew, you have heard the stories of this man healing the sick, casting out demons, controlling the weather with his voice, right? And now you have also seen him put his authority on display. You have seen him heal a man that you have never seen walk before. Jesus meets him and instantly this guy is walking around. So you've seen this guy do all these amazing things and now he finishes talking to this paralyzed guy. He turns and he walks down your street and he looks you in the eye and he says, come follow me. Wow. Do you guys think that in that moment Matthew is like, oh, you want me to follow you? Like, like I've got to submit to you, like I've got to do what you say, right? Like, like I've got to do your rules, I've got to follow those. That sounds a little constricting. I don't know, Jesus. Sounds like a lot of rules. I don't know if I can give that up. I'm going to have to really think about it. I, th- I think if I had heard the stories about who Jesus was and then saw him work firsthand and he offered for me to follow him, that would not be my response. I think Matthew is something more like this. Wait, you, you want me, right? You, the one who has command over everything. You want me to follow you. You want me to walk with you and learn from you. Wait, I get to follow you? That is the response of Matthew in this verse. And I never understood how Matthew decided so quickly to follow Jesus until I realized it wasn't out of obligation that he decided it. And it it wasn't out of having nothing better to do. It was in response to seeing the authority of Jesus on display. He didn't see Jesus offer as a command to follow rules, but rather a once in a lifetime chance to walk with the one who rules everything. A question that I want us to sit on for a second today is do you understand who you get to follow? Do you understand who you get to follow? Who better to follow than the one who has control over everything in your life that can hurt you? Who better to follow than the one who has conquered sickness, disease, sin, brain cancer, even death itself? What incredible security and peace of mind there is in living a life of authority under Jesus. Do you guys believe that it's possible to walk out the door and never worry about anything again? Like that sounds crazy, but it's, it's what I believe. Do you guys believe that you can walk out the door and literally not be afraid again because of the one who is in authority over you? Because that's the truth. And we refuse to live in that truth all the time, but that is reality. So after Matthew starts following Jesus in chapter 9, he accepts his request to, to go with him. Jesus sends out the disciples in chapter 10. So we're, we're jumping ahead one chapter. And in, in chapter 10, verse 5, he gives the disciples some instructions on some things to do and not to do on this journey he's sending them on, right? He says, among other things, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give freely just as you have received. Okay, so what we're seeing here is Jesus is calling them into action And guess what? These guys actually go, okay? They answer the call to follow him. They commit to live under his authority. And then they meet his commands with action. What a novel idea, right? 
Because guys, so often in church, we start following Jesus and it becomes more about discussing his commands than actually doing them. We join Bible studies, we join life groups, we go to youth group, we do Sunday school, we talk about the authority of Jesus. We talk about what it means to obey him. And too often it stops right there, right? It didn't stop there for Matthew. He went right into action. It is possible to talk about the Bible too much. Did you guys know that? It's possible to just talk the Bible to death. There has to be some action. And of course, it is good to do these things. Join life groups, do Sunday school, do youth group, do these things. But a life lived under the authority of Jesus Christ is a life of action. It is not a life of discussion. And each of us today have to ask ourselves in our hearts, is my life marked by discussion or action? Because if I'm living under the authority of Jesus, it's got to be marked by action. From the lips of Jesus in Matthew 7, we already said it once today, not everybody who calls me Lord will enter the kingdom, but actually those who do the will of my Father will. Guys, somewhere along the way, we have lost a taste for just simple obedience of what Jesus says, right? Somewhere along the way, we have lost a taste for seeing a commandment of Jesus and obeying it, right, and following it with all our hearts, and if we're going to be a church that grows the kingdom, that sees lost people come to know him, that sees Jesus move powerfully in our lives, we have to be a church that gets this. We have to be a church of action. In youth group, we often talk about having a throne mentality, right? It's this idea that each of us have a throne in our heart, and every day, one of two people climb onto this throne and take command of your life, and it's either you or Jesus every single day. And I ask the students every day to make sure that they consciously and intentionally give Jesus rule over their lives and that they make it a point to put him on the throne of their heart every single day because by fault, we as humans will take the throne and we will live for ourselves. Living under the authority of Jesus is not a decision that you make one time at the moment of your conversion. It's a decision that you make every single day to die to yourself, to die to your plans, to die to your desires, to your idols, right? You have to relinquish that throne to the true king. Whoever you install as king on the throne of your heart every day will affect everything about your day. In fact, it will determine the direction of your life. It's the most important decision you'll ever make and you have to make it every single day. A decision to live under the authority of the king. And guys, sometimes I grow weary of giving up my throne. Sometimes I hold really tightly to my will and I don't want to give it up. And I think, Jesus, could you really know what is better for me than me? Because I have some really great ideas and I have some really great plans. And I have some passions that are really close to my heart. So could what you have planned really be better for me than me? And as enticing as it is for me to live for myself sometimes, it's also really, really terrifying. Because you want to know what's scarier than giving your life to Jesus and going wherever he leads you? It's scarier to watch him walk away, right? Can you, can you imagine Jesus is, is in front of you and he says, hey, hey Jordan, come follow me. And I say, Jesus, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that. There's a lot that comes with that. I'm probably gonna lose friends. I'm probably gonna have to live a way that I, I don't wanna live. That's a lot to think about. Give me a minute. 
And Jesus simply says, okay, and he walks away. Because he's not going to force you into it. And then you're left sitting there thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? The one who commands everything, the one who has authority, has just offered me this, and I didn't take it, right? He walked away from me. I said no. What could I possibly encounter for the rest of my life that is going to come anywhere close to where he could have led me? Guys, I plead with you today as I close here to not simply regard Jesus as a savior, but to crown him today and every day as the king of your heart. You have heard stories of his loving kindness. If you have been at 12 for any amount of time, you hear about the ways that he is moving. And you have seen his authority on display in your life or perhaps in the lives of others. And now he is standing in front of you, right? And he's not offering you a book of rules to adhere to. He's offering you a new way of life to step into, right? He's offering you a gift of his authority. And he stands there and he's asking you the most important question that anyone will ever ask you, which is, will you follow me? Will you guys pray with me? Father, you are good. Thank you for your son, Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. Um, God, I'm sorry for only regarding your son as a savior sometimes and forgetting that he is Lord as well. God, help me to give up my throne every single day and help us as, as your people to trust you, to love your authority, to want to walk closer with you and to realize that you Hold the keys to everlasting life, Father. That there is nowhere else that we can go and get true life. It's only you. Father, we love you. We do regard you as king in this place. And we, we give you rule over this place. And we tell you to do what you will with us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. We read the collect earlier today. Um, but it just fits in so perfectly, like I said, with what we want to see happen here at 12th and what we want to see happen in the kingdom. And so I'm going to invite you to read it with me this time. So if you have your um, bulletin, for lack of a better word, on the back there it is the collect. And I just want us all to read this together because this is where we're going. This is the, this is the roadmap. Okay, so let's read this together. Almighty and everlasting God, whose will it is to restore all things, in your well-beloved Son, the King of kings and Lord of lords, mercifully grant that the peoples of the earth, divided and enslaved by sin, may be freed and brought together under his most gracious rule, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So as we go out from this place... May we recognize Jesus as both Savior and King, deciding daily to place him on the throne of our hearts. And may we live joyfully under his authority, enjoying the favor that comes with it. And now receive the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and always. Go in peace.